Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Udang dhammang sangang masami So, I think it's uh, probably a good time to talk about having fun. (laughs) Something we lose sight of. It's important. You go to if you go to uh, go to Thailand, for example, you recognise that that Buddhism is really only part of having fun. It's a kind of, the main religion is having fun, and Buddhism occupies a certain certain percentage of that. <laughs> you know, it's the feel good, and uh, yeah, obviously there's. Uh, skillful and unskillful ways that people do that. Yet this is part of what we have in us, part of what we're equipped with, kind of fundamental thing. Everybody likes to have fun, everybody likes to enjoyment, happiness, pleasure. There are different kinds of ways, you know. Sometimes quite light, playing games, sometimes art, dancing, music, sometimes... um, uh, friends, company, mm. seeing things, going places. Mm. Yeah. And everything, none of these we think, they're not really, they're not important and yet they're essential. Mm. They don't have any, kind of, they're not really heavy and weighty, yet they're essential, aren't they? Yeah. You can have, uh, uh, and there's certain, uh, you know, ways in which uh, we cause to go wrong. Sometimes when we begin to lose the spirit of it, lose that spirit of what happens when we enjoy something that opens, takes something in, is really just filled, flushed, filled, touched, moved by some by experience. We're in it. We're with it. And for that moment. There's no weight, there's no heaviness, there's no, it's got to be like this, there's no guilt, there's no fear, there's no doubt. And they kind of, we're lifted at that moment. Yeah. And uh, this is important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
The problem comes is in energy. Yeah. It's one of the fundamental energies we have. And uh, it kind of goes wrong when we start to locate it as, oh, it's on a Saturday night. Oh, it's in the football. It's in the uh, whatever it is. You You can have fun. You get it out of having uh, gadgets. Glee, get it out of particular pastime, hobby, creativity. Um, sometimes people have fun torturing, beating other people up, torturing animals, get delight out of that. It's having a bit of fun. You know, we locate it in something, and even when it's not actually directly harmful. It's still, you know, we get attached to that particular thing, you know, that particular gadget or piece of music or person or event. I'm going to do it again and again, and you can hold on to it. And gradually, as you hold on to it, you get hardened around it, and some of that lightness begins to disappear, and it becomes heavy, and it becomes obsessive. And it becomes addictive. And then some of the beauty of it dies. And then eventually it's just uh, one of them again. Do something else. So it's an energy that can actually um, be quite... Go to very unskillful things. Well, things that cause other people and other creatures harm. Go to addictions, you know, things that, that damage our health or our sanity or our, our moral sense. But even when it's not, it still has this tainting effect, or it can bring up this this holding it. We lose balance, you know, and get <coughs> greedy, uh, obsessive. But we self-orient around it. This is my thing, you know. I'm really into. You know, I was saying there, there's a thing about motorbikes seems to be in my mind the last few days. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, that becomes your little erotic toy. You know, if you're a man, of course. I don't know, women. It might be clothes or something. You know, your thing. And we close down around that. And then we get possessive of it. And the rest of the world sort of disappears. <laughs> you know? And human beings do this a lot, don't they? So eventually, you know, you're so absorbed in your thing, you grunt, you know, grunt at some, yeah, excuse me, I'm in my thing, I'm my erotic thing. Could be your internet, could be your iPod, could be your iPhone. Widgets, buttons, wow. (laughs) It's like every other energy that we have itself. It's neither good nor bad. It's just what we we have. Um, We have to both acknowledge that 
and it's what your mind makes of it, how you hold on to it, or what, how, you know, how you, how you work with that. But you have to know that, and, you know, it's like really, all of these energies that we have, they ask us to meditate. Because it's only really through developing skill in handling them that we find the beauty, the beauty stays. As long as we develop skill in non-grasping, in non-owning, in non-demanding, in letting it, you know, then the beauty, the clarity, the warmth, whatever it is, stays. But if so, but if we don't cultivate, then we stick and anchor and hold and clench, you know, and try and get absorbed into that. So this kind of pleasure energy, you can call it, you know, you can call it the erotic sense, if you like. It's much more than sexual. It's the whole celebration, fun, enjoyment, rapture, flush, flood feeling that we get, sometimes looking at a landscape, looking at a painting, being with friends, and so you're kind of taken out, and, uh, you know, this, this energy, mm, to be cultivated, you don't actually have to, uh, you know, increase it so much as find where it is, acknowledge that, and um, find a balance with that. Mm. Let go of the objects of that, the sweet drink. Let's go to the, the sense of being touched, of being opened, of being held by something. This actually, this skill is what leads to um, absorption in meditation. So, anyway, the Buddha, one of the Buddha's amazing um, skills, and his uh, one of the surprising things about his teaching at the time was his was he taught pleasure. You know, this is in a time when uh, you know the summoners, it's all mortification. You know, hair shirts, or no shirts actually. It's <laughs> kind of naked, sleeping on thorns and uh, stuff like that. That's a kind of you're a good ascetic. That's that was your, you know, you got more cred the more you kind of tormented yourself, and that was the kind of standard. And uh, of course, you know, as we all, some of us may know, you know, one of the turning points of the Buddha's own um, practice was recognizing just knocking himself out on all this uh, asceticism and uh, wait a minute this isn't getting anywhere and is there another way and just touching into a sense of happiness and saying this this happiness is not uh, um, it's not sensual it's not obsessive it's a happiness of being and for him it was evoked by this memory so the story goes of being a, a small child sitting under a tree in the shade when the sun was beating just with his down with his father 
plowing the field nearby, so a sense of safety, warmth, at ease, restful, you know, that sense, and just the innocent happiness of being. He said, just going into that and remembering that and feeling that sense. And then from there, his practice turned towards these absorptions, meditative absorptions, and from there, coming out or transcending, you might say, or stepping back from, or you know, witnessing, however you like to put it, there's this doorway opens, you might say, whereby you know, one can be knowing of that. He said, this is, this is the way to uh, enlightenment or awakening. The mind is made soft, uh, malleable, open, restful, relaxed, because of this subtle happiness. Mm. It's not tense, it's not pushing, it's not driven by some view or another, it's a sense of innocence about it. So he said, you know, a skillful uh, person, someone who knows how to cultivate pleasure, cultivate their own pleasure in themselves. So it's really not about the particular objects that trigger it. It's about understanding that potential. What happens when we have pleasure, when we enjoy? What actually happens in our systems? If we introspect a little, do you get a sense of something you kind of softens and opens up? Perhaps you might find, you know, your brow releases, you come out of your head, you come more into an embodied state. You feel... Uh, unfettered, you don't feel weighed down by anything, just recollect that, you know. Just know you have that. We all have that. We all go there. We've all been there. And it's important to, wherever that, whatever triggers that, just to know there is that kind of, that, that place, that, that quality in us. Mm-hmm. It's important to, to really sense that, know that. Just as the Buddha did. For him, it was this image, this perception, this memory. It's a rather touching one, isn't it? You know, we all have that, uh, well, hopefully some happy recollection of childhood. It certainly wasn't all fun, as far as I can remember. But that sense in which the world is mysterious, magical, wonderful, you haven't got it all figured out. There's no, you're not working for a living, no pressure. You feel safe, you've got parents who look after you. Something rests and opens up. Mm. Uh, you feel there's a benevolent universe that you're part of. I mean, those are much too complicated words <laughs> to say it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. And as you get up, as you grow up, you kind of lose that because you start to work on things and figure things out and calculate things and remember the future and be responsible and, you know, a few knocks and bashes here and there and you suddenly get kind of a bit more defensive, a bit more armoured up, a bit more serious, a bit more nervous, a bit more rattled by life. Uh, and that sense of being in something benevolent where you can open up and, and be soft and relaxed becomes rather more precarious, if at all. You know, sometimes you've got to down a few pints to get it going, you know, or smoke a joint or something, you know, or 
go and that's what people do, or fling yourself around at a dance or whatever, you know. So and of course we can be very moralizing about all this and tut tutty, but this is what people do. <laughs> and it's like unstoppable. <laughs> you know, no matter how much we part of us can morally disapprove or look down upon other people's fun and happiness and, and erotic experiences. We all want to do it. We want to get something that wants to get there. So Buddha being, you know, it's a very pragmatic thing. If you can't beat it, join it. <laughs> you know, because you can get kind of erotic satisfaction out of making life miserable as well. <laughs> You know, torture and torment, you get some sense of glee, you know, righteousness about it. Yeah. So how do rather than how do we uh, accommodate that? It's like mm-hmm. Now it's it's partly it's about um, recognizing what blocks it. So the sense of of ought to, the sense of got to make it work, the sense of um, self consciousness, you know, nervousness. Those tend those block it, don't they? You know, feeling of being watched and and checked by other people that will block it. Mm. Yeah. So what do you do when you meditate, you know? Do you have one of those minds that looks at you going, not good enough, you should get there by now. Do you have somebody watching you with a kind of a rather unfriendly, intense gaze when you meditate? Something going, come on, get it together. Don't like that. Stop it. Get on with it. Come on. Keep going. Someone's saying, you've got this is another hour to go, five days to go. You're doing a 10-day retreat, you've got eight days left, you've got to get there, oh, God, no. You know, sit like a rock for an hour. Oh. You know, you can feel that the, if there was any joy, it's kind of completely crunched down by these obligations. There's something looking at us that is not uh, giving us safety, trust and warmth. Yeah. And isn't that something in ourselves? So, but does this mean, well, you know, just do what you like? Actually, happiness is quite a, a precise thing. Not, uh, it's quite a precise, true happiness. Really cultivating is quite a precise thing. Like if you, the more... Um, on the mark it gets, the less crude and, and, uh, and uh, you know, slapdash it gets, it gets more precise, like the kind of happiness that comes from an art or a craft. It's quite a precise thing, isn't it? You know, it's, you know, it's not... And yet, there's a training for that precision, and yet finally, there's a letting go of it. Mm-hmm. I say there are, there are four, four stages 
as is unconscious incompetence, which means you're no good. You're no good and you don't even got a clue how to do it. It's like learning a piano, just plunk, plunk, clonk, clonk, oral. Then there's conscious incompetence, means you know you can't do it. You're conscious of it. And then you actually get conscious competence, which means now you've figured out how to do it. Da, 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 plonk, plonk, plonk. You're still a bit stiff, but you're getting it right. And then there's unconscious competence, which means you're no longer actually having to control it, but it's just starting to flow. You know, so anything like could be you know, athletics, could be dancing, calligraphy, painting, whatever. It goes like that. So you, when you really get to the, the purity of the happiness, it's, it's a sense of something that's not constrained, and yet it's precise, it's flowing. And the beauty of it is the sense of something that's flowing with a beautiful sense of harmony and order, and yet I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not doing it. It's happening through me, but I'm not doing it. And that's, that's the mystery to me, and that's the real transcending quality of happiness. It takes us out of our little constricted nervous superego thing. Okay, what about me? Am I doing this? When do I get a reward? Am I okay? Where's the bell going to ring? I don't know. And this is actually the process of, of meditation is rather follows that same same pattern. Or you can look at just maybe you know, check it out, give it some thought, give some reflection. Maybe the most important thing that we always reminded of when we meditate is to is to be is to be giving to ourselves, giving ourselves time, giving ourselves space, giving ourselves warmth, giving ourselves encouragement hmm, to go through this rather uh, process. This kind of where you fumble a lot, falling around a lot, losing it a lot, uh, and part of um, that is aligned to what we call faith, which means we have a sense of fundamental fundamental basic trust. Yeah. Now when you you know, it's a very it's a very basic sense of trust. It's not knowing you can do something, but knowing that it does, at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because you're all right. You know? It's like, you know, you, 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 learn, you start to want to ride a bike or you want to play the flute. And if you've got the sense of, I'm going to have a good go at this, but I'm all right anyway, you know, then you can go through that process with a lot more humor, a lot more lightness, until it, and if, you, if you really were doing it with a sense of, I've got to make this work. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to be a failure. Same thing with meditation. Actually, it's 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 a it's a construction, it's a skill, it's something we learn to do. It's only really going to come into that flow of happiness, of rapture, which leads to absorption. If, with as we we intuit or we have that basic sense. Whether I'm good at it, no good at it, whatever, it's I'm all right. I'm okay, I'm accepted. 
I've got my place. Uh, you know, I'm not condemned. <laughs> uh, and these are these. You know, I'm just put, trying to draw some words out. It's a suggestion because we can take. You know, meditation is the big one, isn't it? You know, this is about enlightenment, awakening, liberation, freedom from birth and death, suffering. You know, got to get this one right. You know, this isn't just kind of fooling around a dance hall. This is serious stuff. And because it's serious stuff, you've got to take it lightly. Because it's too important to go in there with your, with your tense, tight little superego, frightened and fearful. It's like, this is the jumping off the hundred foot pole. This is the, this is the, that. You know, it's a sense of there's some, uh, has to be a basic, basic sense that you can fly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're never really going to get that jump right. It's never going to happen. So, quality of faith is very important for that, and it's faith, trust, basic trust. Actually, this sense of um, you know, trust is the uh, a growing, a growing realization. I say in in meditation practice because of the number of times of getting it wrong, the number of times of, of really losing, it, getting it wrong, and the sky not falling in, and there being another day, and there being another moment, and there being another breath finally get the point that it's safe in here (laughs) you know and there's always the next moment there's always another moment and sometimes it's just that you know the sense of the safety you know making a hash of it fumbling around being stuck with defilements for years and yet you're all right that's that's because of that, uh, just you know, really broadening your focus, widening your focus. That means just physically widening. Widening in terms of whole of my life has really been a series of accidents and mistakes. My life is just one mistake after another. Really, in some sense, I'm not quite saying the right thing I wanted to say. Not quite making the thing work I wanted to work, um, not quite getting up with the right mind state, not quite being able to do this, making a complete hash of that, you know. Uh, <laughs> and because it's, it's, because it's like, I, like that, I don't know how, what yours is like, and yet fundamentally there's, there's an all rightness as well, where you don't really expect this ego structure to get it right. It's just like that. But that's the ego structure is not all that you have. It's not all that's present. There's something else. And it's the more that we start to take our ups and downs 
as part of the flow of it, lightly, the more we kind of get, you intuit or something, something wakes up to some bigger, wider sense that's really okay. Will you trust, trust that? Because it's, it's somehow the bringing that sense of the trust is the important piece enables us to be loose enough without being careless, soft enough without being sloppy, to be able to, to let ourselves open up and be receptive to joy, to the magic, you might say, the specialness of the present moment as it changes towards the sound of the rain, the sight of the birds flying over the pond, one long outbreath which will never be repeated. Yeah and one soft in-breath that is like nothing else. It's not a duty, it's not a chore, it's not about building something up. It's just a a gift. And uh, from the place of trust, of, of fundamental trust and fundamental okayness, it's all gifts funny ones, sweet ones, messy ones, and you can let them pass through. (coughs) So this really is how we meditate, or when it happens, when meditation actually does arrive. It's like that. There's trust, there's enjoyment, and there's a sense of precision. Because it's, uh, you realize if you, if you don't actually balance with that, it's easy to just indulge, get in, hang on, you know, wallow, or try to manipulate and create happiness, try to get it working. You know, unless you're really precise in terms of trust, and openness and honesty. Just, it's like every moment we are bare. And every moment something is given. And as soon as we start to own something, as soon as we start to clothe ourselves and possess things, we lose that openness that allows us to be joyful. So meditation, in my experience, having failed at it for over 30 years, goes wrong when I make it into a program, when I make it, when I try to read a book and try to make it like it says in the book, when I try to manipulate it, when I try to get good at it, when I um, don't bother with it, when I hang too much on it, right? 
I've got to be an arahant by the end of my life, or maybe preferably a bit before, so I could write a book about it. <laughs> you know, then it, you know, the whole thing just like, oh, I don't want to get me out of this. Uh, you know, this is just more of the same old sangsaric thing, isn't it? And then you think, basically you're all right. But you don't know you're all right until you go through the process of, of focusing, trying to get it right, failing, trying to get it right, failing, finding a middle point when suddenly it sort of comes into balance and you feel rested. Oh. And then grasping it and tipping over again and failing. <laughs> yeah. And you're all right. Because this is the game. This is this is what we do. This is what we come through. And if there can be a finally or finally, but there's a sort of a self forgetting that's part of that sense of what's meant by unconscious competence. It doesn't mean actually unconscious, it means you're not self-conscious. And uh, I expect many of you, if not all of you, have this. There's something you're very good at that you probably think, oh, this is just normal, everybody can do that. You know, you could be, I've seen people with beautiful uh, work, craftsmen, people arranging flowers, chanting, Beautiful, you know, they just do it. And it's just like it happens. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we all have that somewhere. Sometimes we maybe tend to disregard it as well. It doesn't really mean very much. Don't even notice it. Or we do notice it and then get obsessive about it. But that the, so either of these are aspects of self-conscious, aren't they? You know, you're self-consciously ignorant or you're self-consciously uh, attentive. Yeah. So what's it to be awake, open, but without the praise, blame, gain, loss, success, failure patterns? This itself is joyful. This itself is trusting. When trust and joy come together, then we begin to find this is the way to uh, deepening, strengthening. This is the way to releasing these habits of holding on and worrying and doubting. This is the way to awakening. You always got to be careful with something like awakening. You don't make it the big plum in the pie that you've got to put your finger in and pull out. Just it's better to say it's just not this. <laughs> it's not this experience of struggling. You know, it's easier. The Buddha generally talked about it as something it's not. You know? uh, it's not self. It's not this. It's not that. You keep knowing what it's not. What's left speaks for itself.
But one thing he did say is this is the highest kind of happiness. So, this for your reflection. <laughs>